You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, and online at fanstreamsports.com and the Fanstream Sports app. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. Today's episode of Locked on Rays is brought to you by Built Bar. Promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Well, Ulysses, we had a pretty easy episode today as it's just a straight interview with a special guest, Taylor Ward from the Locked on Angels podcast and also is doing the MLB draft coverage for the Locked on Podcast Network and talk about a guy with a wealth of information. That guy had it in spades. That was awesome. Yeah, that yeah. was a really enjoyable interview. Uh, maybe, hopefully, in the future we can we can have him on again to to speak a little bit more in depth. And maybe I want to I want to pick his brain next time on the marketing side of mm-hmm. what MLB can do to kind of hype up the draft. We kind of just touched on that subject a little bit, but maybe in the future we can we can talk about that. Because basically, there's nothing that they do right now. It seems like, <laughs> no. unlike the no. NFL draft and the NBA draft and everything like that. Um, so we have a fun discussion with him. Um, I got to say that the one thing I wasn't too happy about was he leaned on your side as far as whether or not there will be an MLB season. He seems to think that it ain't looking good. So, I, and you know what? I'm I've been playing reverse psychology. I want to be negative Nancy, so yeah. everybody's just you know, and, and so I get rewarded. Oh yeah, you don't want to keep your hopes up. You're just like, exactly. hey, you're just going. All right, I'm just punting on this season. But if it happens, then it's it's great. Exactly, you know, cream on top. So, uh, but yeah, the fact that he also thinks that it's 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 dark and gloomy, uh, as I'm thinking. Well, you know that that kind of sucks because I think maybe. After the latest MLB proposal, a lot of people are kind of siding now on this side of the, of the issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, with our conversation with Taylor, we discuss, of course, uh, sort of the, the nitty gritty details of the 2020 draft, some local kids who could be drafted, the race philosophy, just a whole gamut of topics that uh, we dive into with him about. So without further ado, Taylor Ward. We're joined by Taylor Ward, host of the Locked on Angels podcast and also doing MLB draft coverage for the Locked on Podcast Network. Well, Taylor, this must be a pretty exciting time for you. I mean, with the round, uh, the MLB draft now five rounds and coming up in a couple of days, is this kind of like your your Christmas for 2020 sort of? I'm t- I think the anxiety of Christmas, I mean, I don't celebrate Christmas, but I'm sure the anxiety like it. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely, uh, this is definitely, uh, the time of the year where, um, I get really excited. This is my favorite thing when it comes to baseball and, and covering baseball. Um, but definitely, you know, there's an anxiety side to it, but it's a, it's a good anxiety, I guess is what you could call it. <laughs> right. And how did you, how did you get into this stuff originally? how did you get into, um, wanting to do MOB draft coverage and getting into all the, the nuts and bolts that, that all that entails. 
You know, I, I worked in the minor leagues in 2012. I was a broadcaster for a, one of the high A affiliates for the Mariners. Um, but eventually they shut down here in Southern California, one of the California uh, league teams that shut down sadly. But during that time, just getting to know the minors and, and getting to see the, the full process of what was going on, it was really interesting. And when I was started, to, when I was asked to uh, cover the angels by, an outlet back in 2000, late 2012, I mentioned, I said, Hey, you know, I've got a grasp of the minor league side. Um, and it kind of just turned into doing prospects and, and that led to doing the draft. And in 2013, I did my first draft and the comfort level of having a Jeff Ellis. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jeff Ellis of lockdown Indians, but him and I worked together with scout that turned into 24 seven sports. It was a Fox affiliate at the time. And it was just really fun learning from him. And, and the two of us kind of just had a really nice uh, dynamic duo between the two of us. And that's really what aided uh, to where I am now. And, you know, this is my eighth draft and I, I love it. I mean, literally, this is my absolute favorite thing to do over the year. And uh, the paycheck doesn't hurt either. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to ask and, and kind of get your perspective on something, Taylor, uh, especially because you said a year 2012. Uh, obviously, being over in the West Coast, seeing a lot of Mike Trout, uh, we are also uh, covering the Rays, being really excited about a kid that's coming up in Wonder Franco. So you haven't seen so much of Mike Trout's career and what is being talked about of Wander Franco in the minor leagues and how he was drafted and, and all all the accolades that that people are putting on him already. Can you give us an outside perspective on what to expect as a race fan on Wonder Franco after seeing so many so many of these drafts and so many of these minor league players? You know, sadly, I've never seen Franco in person, and it devastates me because he is, from everything I've heard and everything I've seen, this is a premier talent. I mean, I I don't think we can ever compare someone to Mike Trout, and that's just an unfair thing to do when we're talking about everything that Mike Trout's done for the game. But if we're talking about a guy that could win the MVP in the American league in the future, I don't think that's out of the realm. And that's something that you you don't usually get to say about a prospect by any means. I mean, he plays a premier position. There is a chance that maybe he moves to third base, but I think he's well suited at shortstop to have the, the hit ability. I mean, we talk about Vladimir Guerrero jr. Who was the top prospect in baseball, what a year, year and a half ago, something along those lines Mm -hmm. to have that offensive profile that also plays at shortstop. That's huge. I mean, this kid is uh, everything I've heard. I can't wait to see him. And if that's in the majors this year or next year or whenever it is, I'm really excited. I mean, I think that we, there was all kinds of hype for Fernando Tatis jr. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I think that Wander Franco is a tick above that. I mean, I think we're talking about a Ronald Acuna Jr. kind of player. And wow. in my opinion, Ronald Acuna Jr. is arguably the third or fourth best player in baseball at this moment. And, you know, you put him behind the Bellinger and Yelich, maybe, but I think he's in that category. I think when all is said and done, we're going to be talking about Wander Franco as a regular five win player uh, who's in that category of the elites of the game for. Uh, quite a, a long time and hopefully it's at shortstop you know we never know how defensive uh positions are going to go especially with tampa with the way that they kind of construed their team but i really mm-hmm. like franco 
Yeah, and, and Taylor, looking at this year's draft coming up in a couple of days, and of course it just being five rounds as opposed to the usual 40, and with everything going around with COVID-19 all but canceling most of high school baseball and a lot of college baseball for, for from that standpoint, um, do you get the sense that teams are going to kind of play the route of just drafting safe college guys instead of you know, risking their five or six picks or however many they have on, on high school players. What's kind of your gauge on, on how teams are going to approach this year's strange draft? Definitely conservative. Uh, And as you noted with limited looks at high school players and a little bit more of a track record with the college players, it's going to draft models are really going to lean towards the college players and lean to the conservative side, especially with the money involved. Uh, as for Tampa, I mean, I just noted it. Uh, I had a mock draft that came out today and they pick at 24 and they pick again at 37. And I keep hearing them on college players at 24 with a high school player at 37. You have that extra draft pick. It does allow you to kind of take that next step to feeling a little bit more confident in taking a high school player. So teams like San Diego, Baltimore, Kansas City, uh, Tampa, Cleveland, all those teams kind of have the luxury of maybe having a high school pick involved in there. But for the most part, I think you're going to see a lot of teams play it more conservative towards the college route, kind of trust the draft models a little bit more. Um, I'll tell you, you know, there's, there might be some premier talent at 24 that's high school players. And I don't know what Tampa's going to do if, if they're sitting there and they have some very premier uh, high school players at 24. And I, I don't know if they would uh, stick with the draft model or look at it and say, man, we got to take this kid. Now, Taylor, you always hear around around this time, you don't pick by position. You pick by whoever is the, the best player. Do you think that's also going to change uh, this year or are just people going to say, no, let's just skip to the model of best player? I, I don't care if I need a catcher or a pitcher or whatever. If there's a third baseman available and he is the best player, we're going after him. You think that's that's still the mentality in 2020? I think that it's a little bit more unique this year because we don't know if we're playing baseball in 2020. Um, you know, there's a proposal out now that doesn't sound like it's going to be agreed upon. So the season may be pushed back even further, mm-hmm. but with that, there may be a team like uh, Minnesota or a team like the angels or like Tampa. That's right there on the, on the playoff cusp of things. And you're sitting there in the first or second round and you see this guy that may be up in the mid, you know, he could help your bullpen this year. And that's where it's kind of like, you know, this could help the major league product. And yes, we, it may not be the best player available, but it could help us this year and we can continue developing beyond this. So I think you may see a handful of teams, maybe less go that route where maybe you see a player go overdrafted uh, in the first round or second round. And, and they really are guys that are going to be in the bullpen this year, hoping that there's a season this year. For the most part, though, you're going to see best player available. Um, some teams, you know, it's all based on a draft model and every team's different. So the best player available for a team at 11 may be different for the team at 12 or at 10. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and when you get into that, you know, you start doing breakdowns and you have three guys at the top of your board and you have a weakness in catching in your farm system. I'm not specifying Tampa here, but you know, it's specifying (laughs) for all teams here, but maybe catching is the weakness of the system, not your major league team, but of the complete organization. And a catcher is one of those three options. You may lean more towards the catcher than you would say the shortstop or the pitcher. 
and something, you know, it's going to be different for every organization, but that may be the only real difference maker when you're talking about best player available. And speaking of best player available, what position do you think is the strongest this year has the ability to produce the most, I guess, MLB guys in the future? Um, I know every year there's going to be a ton of like right-handed pitchers drafted and everything like that, but is there a certain position this year that's, that's pretty strong maybe compared to previous years and so on? Yeah, the college pitching class is, is high above the rest of the crowd. Um, it's a really weak middle infield crowd. I, I was uh, really surprised when I was going in about two, three years ago. You kind of have hints as to what's going to happen in drafts coming up. Um, but the infield class is really weak, and the college pitching is at a premiere. You're going to see guys that go in the third round that would have been early second-round picks last year. And I think that's definitely the cream of the crop when it comes to 2020. Well, Ulysses, I mean, what else can we say about, about Bilt Bar? We, we know it's delicious. We know it's healthy. We know that they're soft and chewy. I mean, we just go out and buy Bilt Bar. That, that's all we're telling you to do. It's not that hard, really. Wait, Kevin, I forget. Are they high in protein? Yeah, they are. Are they low in calories? Indeed. And they are delicious. And they're delicious. And they're and low in be- sugar and high fiber. And can people save money by using a certain code? They absolutely can. And that code is locked on. So without further ado, go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, and that'll get you $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code locked on, and that'll get you $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. And speaking of college pitching, there's actually um, several local kids who, who played high school ball locally in the Tampa Bay area and are now playing college ball. C.J. Van Eyck, for example, Tommy Mace, who's now at Florida, and uh, Carson Ragsdale at USF. All those kids are local high school or were from uh, high schools in the Tampa Bay area. And then there's another kid, Jackson Miller, out of Mitchell High School uh, in the Trinity area. All those guys, um, the last time I checked, MLB.com are are in that 100 top 150, top 200 ranking. Um, do any of those guys uh, you think have the most? upside or, or most potential to be big leaguers at some point or any of those guys that, that really stand out to you? You know, I've followed quite a few of those guys when they were high schoolers, CJ Van Eyck in particular, because uh, I knew his agent really well. And uh, he was telling me all kinds of things about CJ. I think CJ definitely is the, the top guy of the guys that you mentioned there. It's just finding consistency in an entire arsenal because he's got three very good pitches. It's just what day is it going to work? Uh, what day is a slider going to work? What day is a changeup going to work? What day is a fastball going to work? And it's, it could be different every day, which usually leads to a bullpen role in the future. Um, I like Tommy Bates. You know, it just one of those college performers comes from a very good uh, development program at Florida there. And he's got, he's got a fine arsenal. There's nothing wrong with it. The command is there. And I think those are the guys that kind of sneak into becoming major leaguers as starters. And, I value starters above relievers, uh, nothing against any relievers out there, but just the way that I view it. And I think Tommy Bates is kind of one of those under the radar guys that we're talking about that could go in the late second or early third that would have very easily been a back end first round or early second round pick last year. Jackson Miller, just kind of another guy that third round, you know, maybe second round territory for me, but I think CJ Van Eyck, you know, we mentioned him. He's one of the guys that I think you're going to hear probably on that first day, there's a good chance he goes in those first 37 picks. And if he doesn't, I think he's a very early name on that second day. Taylor, I wanted to ask you about that comp. 
that has just happened uh, with, with being a two-way player. Now, Otani, obviously, McKay. I know, like you've said, this year is weird and, and we're going to see a, a lot of you know quirkiness, but are there two names out there that you see that could potentially be drafted to be a two-way player? Is, is this a trend going forward or do you not see that happening at all this year? I think it's it's you <laughs> you got me on a tough one. Um, I think that Shohei Otani and Brendan McKay are special breeds. And Brendan McKay, when he was at Louisville, was a very special talent. And Hunter Green with the Reds was a very special talent. But we look at it, Brendan is more likely a pitcher than he is a hitter. Hunter's a pitcher. He's not going to be a hitter. I think to be a two-way talent, you really have to be very special on both sides of the ball because you're imagining you're going to take the mound once, twice a week, depending on if you're a starter or a lever, and you've got to play an extra four or five days on top of that. What the, what it takes out of your body to pitch a full five, six innings, even if you're a reliever to pitch twice a week, that mm -hmm. is a lot on the body. And I think that's the challenge is it's so hard to physically do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. And to be able to do that is such a challenging thing. So you're going to have to find a premier athlete. I think that there are guys that have the capability. We're going to look at Spencer Jones here in a few years here out of Vanderbilt that has that chance, but it, he's likely a first baseman, a little less physical on the body uh, to play first base as opposed to shortstop or center field, whatever. Uh, maybe a DH pitcher type similar to what Brennan McKay is doing right now or what Shohei Otani is doing right now. Uh, there are a few names. Mason Wynn comes to mind. It does sound like he may end up at school this year, but mm -hmm. I think I think the two-way thing is going to be a very specialized item that you're going to have to be a very, very special talent, similar to Brendan McKay, who I, I mean, he's one of my favorite players in baseball right now. <laughs> and to be able to do that is going to be very challenging physically. So you have to be a special player to be capable of doing both things. Okay. So Taylor, in this draft, who is your maybe favorite prospect and a follow-up to that, is there a certain dark horse in this draft that isn't getting enough love or isn't getting as much love as you think they should be? Man, I got the cough today. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> no my favorite guy, My favorite guy is Dylan Dingler out of Ohio State. He's a catcher who was a pop-up prospect, played center field, and they moved. he had to deal with some injuries. Performance wasn't really there. This year, he went behind the plate as a catcher and had sub one eight pop times. I mean, he in, in game, he, <laughs> I love catchers and Dylan Dingler to me, he's not seen as the top catcher in this draft, but for me, he is, um, he's likely going to go somewhere between maybe 15 to 25, you know, the razor right there. I, I wouldn't mind that, but you know, I think he is definitely my favorite guy. Um, a dark horse guy, huh? Let's see. That's not getting enough love. I think is Jared Kelly. And it's, funny to say because he's been one of the top three prep arms in this class uh through the whole entire process but it sounds like just you know right-handed prep pitchers just don't get the love that they deserve and i really like you know he's a big body texas kid and you know it's that bulldog mentality it's that texas i'm gonna get you you know it's uh everything's bigger in texas everything's you know better in texas <laughs> those kind of things and i just i love that mentality and i think that jared kelly is slipping down a lot of draft models. And I think that someone like the Rays, and I, if you read my mock, I absolutely have, you know, specified that the Rays could be a team that pulls Jared Kelly from his fall. 
but I really like Jared Kelly. He's a fastball changeup uh, guy and right-handed pitchers that throw, you know, their changeup as their out pitch isn't always the greatest thing in the world. Um, but just everything about him, he has the ability to throw strikes out of a high school arm. That's a very challenging thing to just have at your disposal. This is a guy I think that when we look back 10 years from now, we're going to sit there and be like, man, how did, how did 15 teams pass up on this guy? Or how did 20 teams pass up on this guy? Well, Taylor, I, you know, the, the MLB draft this year, of course, just five rounds. And there's been talk about maybe making it in the future, just 20 rounds or 15, 10 rounds, as opposed to 40. I know it's, it seems like it, it started out as like 50 rounds, not too long ago. And then it was contracted to 40 and so on and so forth. Is there a certain number that you think it should be at going forward? Um, everything aside with COVID-19 and, and how this is just such a wacky year, but in a, in a typical year, how many rounds should the MLB draft be in your opinion? You know, I think COVID-19 has really played well into the hands of Rob Manfred. Obviously he's not the creator of COVID-19, but I think it's really worked out well for him. Uh, you know, major league baseball is going to eliminate 40 some minor league teams, and that's going to be over a thousand opportunities to play in baseball. Uh, they limited 35 rounds from the draft this year. That's over a thousand opportunities to join professional baseball. Um, you know, if we were staying normal, we had all these minor league teams, I would say a 40 round draft is absolutely perfect. I think that it allows you to fill your organization and, you know, it gives you a lot of trust in your area scouts. When you get into that third day, you have an, a very good concept of the players that you're taking that you're bringing into your organization. I really like a 40 round draft. If you moved it to 30, I don't think you'd get a lot of argument for me. I think 30 would actually be a little bit more fair because of what happens in the 30th to 40 rounds. You know, I think that you could maneuver a lot of things to, uh, to better make, to make the draft a little bit better in that sense. So I would say 30 for myself, but if we're going to lose these 40 teams in the minor leagues and we're going to lose all those opportunities, I think sadly we are going to have to look at, something like a 20 to 25 round draft. And I'm sure that major league baseball is going to do their best to make it a 10 to 15 rounds or less. Wow. It, and seemingly this year with like nothing else going on in the world of sports, <laughs> at least as, as far as I'm concerned, will this be like the most watched MLB draft in history coming up Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday night. <laughs> yeah. And Rob Manfred is going to take credit for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you guys can't tell, I'm not the biggest fan of Rob. Um, you're in the right show. You're in the right show. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, sadly the draft for baseball is not the most, uh, it's not as watched and there's a reason for it. You know, the NBA draft, the NFL draft, those guys go straight to the pros and you're going to see a name like a Kyler Murray who, is suddenly the starting quarterback for your favorite team, or you're going to see a point guard like uh, uh, Trey Young, who's going to be the new point guard, the new star for the Atlanta Hawks, your favorite team, whatever it is. And you get into baseball and it's like, yeah, this guy, I, I like this guy. He's going to go play in our single A team. That's 500 miles away from where I live. <laughs> so there's a reason why, and it's understandable, but you know, to have it on ESPN and ESPN two is going to be very beneficial for the draft itself. One thing I've noticed, and it's great to see, is the interest in the draft rising this year. And, you know, the reason being is not what you want. You don't want COVID-19 to be the reason for there to be a desire in the draft. But more people are getting in tune. You're seeing a lot more people that are understanding a little bit more of the draft concept. They're understanding these players that are coming into professional baseball a little bit more. And I think that's, yeah, that's exciting for me because, 
you know, sometimes I sit there in the second round pick and a lot of people are like, Hey, what's the deal with the second round pick? And it's like, well, he was one of the top college players in the nation. It'd be, you know, you, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you, you got to know these things, but, and that's not the case with everyone. And it's fine. And, but I think that this year that's going to change. And I think a lot of people are going to stick with it. If you have, uh, you know, a hundred new viewers for the draft and 10 of them really decide that they like this, that's 10 new people that you can chat with and, and really enjoy this process. And Taylor, uh, before we wrap up here, um, Ulysses and I kind of have a running prop bet on whether or not there will be an MLB season. I want to get your gauge on this. Do you Ooh. think there will be some sort of, whether it's 10 games, 50 games, a hundred games, 80 <laughs> games, will and expanded playoffs, whatever there is, will there be some sort of MLB season in 2020? Oh man. Um, Let's do a 30 team bracket. Yeah, let's do a 30 team bracket. It sounds like that's where we're heading, right? Is uh, (laughs) yeah, we'll have we'll have the Detroit Tigers play the uh, Washington Nationals in (laughs) round one. (laughs) Um, No, I I, uh, I'm I want to be optimistic. I really do, but just there's nothing for there's not much reason for me to be optimistic right now. I don't think we play baseball this year. I really don't. I got one, Kevin. I got I got one on my team. Yes. Yeah. You, you and Ulysses are in. Oh, wait, wait, Ulysses said, so I'm on Ulysses side here. Yes. I I think there's like a 20% chance at most. Oh, you know, in in that, in that case, I got to back off. I'm not going to side with Ulysses. No, 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 I'm with him on this one. I think it's a very slim chance. We play baseball this year. Uh, just dashing my hopes right now. Okay. Uh, Taylor, how can people find you and, and get in touch with you if need be? Yeah. Check us out. Locked on angels. We're here on the locked on podcast network and, uh, check us out. We're three days a week during the COVID-19 virus. And, uh, once we get back to playing baseball, whether that be uh, Ulysses style, uh, <laughs> you know, next year, or whether it be Kevin style and it's next month, we'll go back to <laughs> weekly the same here. Um, and, uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Taylor Blakeboard. All right. Again, we want to thank Taylor Ward for joining us on today's show. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Rays. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.